now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dr. Dan Seda, author, near-death experiencer, accomplished psychic, multidisciplinary performer, and starseed with a PhD in transpersonal psychology. Dan has done it all, and we have him here with us today to tell us about it. Dan, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Well, if you don't mind, can we start with your NDE? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So at the age of four, um, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia and I went through all of, um, all of the hospitalization and, um, and surgeries and whatnot. Um, and I, I had, uh, two, two pretty close, um, experiences with death. One of them, I remember actually, um, having the near death experience that I didn't know was a near death experience at the time because I was a young kid. I didn't understand it. Um, but at five, I remember flatlining or at least how do I say, I remember watching me with the doctors stepping outside of my body. Um, and, and watching this as if it was like a television show or something. Um, I knew certain details that um, I wasn't told until much later. <clears throat> um, but I had flatlined. Um, there were maybe three to four people, one person in and out, um, uh, packing one person, two people, well, one person basically backpacking me with ice, another person assisting. And um, they were trying to get uh, um, my fever to go down. Um, and then I had flatlined after that and I had a grand mal seizure. So my, my body was like up like that. And the only thing touching the, the, the hospital table was the tip of my head and my heels. So at that point I was like gone. Um, and I remember a very tall being to my right, which is kind of weird to say because, um, it's just a very strange thing. But when I was there, in it felt like a male so his presence um i knew it felt it felt and sensed like i knew everything and i loved everything and i was a part of everything um which was very confusing at the time but i knew a few things that were logistical like i couldn't look at this guy because if i did i would want to go with him and that was something that i really remembered in my being, um, which still is strange. But anyway, so um, at that point, um, there was some communication going on. It was very subtle and respectful and wise. Um, And then a question was essentially offered to me, do you want to stay? Um, Look at all the things you would would be able to do. Um, I didn't have... Uh, what most NDEers have as adults usually, which is kind of like a life review, et cetera. I didn't have that. I just had this very, what felt like instantaneous communication. And yet it also felt like it lasted for a very long time. So very strange time experience. Um, But then I looked at my body and then at that point, my attention went to where I was and then, and then memories and thoughts started coming up and things I couldn't quite understand perhaps even future consequences too. And I got, I got almost lost and drawn in that. Um, And then 
um, basically I just popped back into my body and I remember waking up consciously. This may have been a few days later. I don't remember. All I remember is waking up consciously in the hospital bed, playing a puzzle. And I actually had the, the pieces. I had a piece in my hand um, and I was putting together the puzzle. And that's when I consciously woke up, hmm. which is really weird. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. As a child suffering from cancer, did you understand the severity of it and fear dying? And also, after you had your NDE, was that fear alleviated? That's a great question. I remember the whole time never fearing anything. And I remember feeling and hearing the fear from other people and doing everything I can to make them feel comfortable in my presence. Because when you're in the hospital, especially as a child, there's a lot of like sadness that people try to alleviate as much as possible. But after having the near-death experience, it made my psychic connections much more alive. Um, I could feel the presence of people much more. I could hear people's thoughts much more. A, a lot of those types of clairaudient, clairsentient um, things started started really developing in me. Um, and it made my um, relationships with people challenging because when you're in a relationship, an intimate relationship, whether it's family or whatever, with someone who's very intuitive, the intuitive person can kind of read through the BS and can touch the, 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 the emotions that are hard to express with a lot of people. So with an empathic person, if someone is saying something, but they're feeling something else, that disconnect is very hard for the empathic person to deal with, especially if they, they don't really know who they are. So this whole process of kind of coming into my own as starseed much later, um, it took all these discoveries um, to then make sense of it all, you know, in just under forty, uh, just under four decades. Um, but um, but yeah, it was it was a, a very interesting thing. I do hope I, I answered that question. If you don't want to mind uh, asking it one more time, you did answer it by saying you never feared death. Ah, yes. And then, so since you never feared death, there was probably not a change, not fearing death afterwards. So, Yes, thank you for that. Well, well the fear is a very important part um, because I never once ever feared um, anything because as a, as a young child, uh, I even write in my first book, um, Waiting for Life, it's my memoir, um, there was a point when I was at the hospital and... I saw a person who uh, was actually passing away and I could feel them just before they were passing away. And I, um, I went to their room to try to see if they were okay. And, um, I wasn't afraid of it, but I could feel the, the fear and the sadness from the parents who were in the process of losing the child, who were actually precluding me from entering into the room. Um, so these types of things were very interesting to me. Um, I could feel my mother's fear a lot um, when I had cancer, um, much more so than I think she ever really was aware of, because uh, it's very fearful being a parent of a child with cancer. Um, but I never feared. And I'll also say something too. I call them my team, like my guides and stuff. I've always had a very close relationship with the other side, and I haven't. I never got any sense of fear from them whatsoever. And so, even during all this craziness going on, 
um, people ask me very often, you know, are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do and stuff like that? And I'm just like, there is no fear. Fear is an old paradigm. Um, focus on what you want to experience. Um, and you will be a part of this, this, uh, this transition that is, that is happening right before our eyes. So. Do you think you had no fear because this was part of a contract that you made to suffer this before you actually came to this body? I knew you'd be asking good questions. <laughs> wow. Yes, I have to admit that. And that does tie into the star state experience, the envoy experience um, that I have only recently understood as of maybe the last two years or so. Um, but actually good, good uh, framework here for the new book. Chronicles of an Arcturian Envoy, I will be talking about the Starseed experience. But I do really believe in the contract. Um, I believe so much that we are magnificent souls that um, go far beyond simply the material. Um, I went so far extreme at one point. I was doing yoga, meditating a lot, doing all these very like, you know, enlightening, evoking um, things. Um, and then I finally realized that the body is very important. Um, finding that finding that middle ground between these supposing extremes of the duality that we're experiencing. But at the very core, what is the, the, the ultimate truth? It is that energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's merely transferred. And I look at that energy as um, the soul and the fractal of source, um, which I read about in the book. Um, but um, this contract, which I think uh, a lot of us uh, might not necessarily be consciously aware of, happens to all of us. And those of us who recognize our star seed or envoy or even walk-in um, experiences, I think we know that contract a little bit more because when you when you're consciously aware of like the preciousness of life and the purpose your your own purpose when you connect more to that your 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 awareness goes goes into that and it's aligned with something greater than yourself and so it just almost leads you that's why oftentimes um my um my guides are always with me uh even you know, stepping into a meditative practice of, of recognizing their, um, their contractual obligations to, to my experience as well, where we're all working together um, to accomplish a certain mission. Um, I think that uh, being aware of that contract is really important to, um, to being a human right now. You mentioned earlier that when you were talking about your psychic abilities, you use the word more which means to me that you already had them. Did you know you already had them before this experience? Before the NTE? Yes. I was a very young child. Um, so, you know, and I even have memories. I write about it in my memoir. I do have memories of before I had cancer, but they weren't as potent. So I guess to answer your question, huh? Having a near that experience, every time one, it's weird to say, every time one dies in a lifetime, they do, um, they do advance very spiritually, um, psychically, et cetera. It's just, 
ask most NDEers and they'll 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 sort of have a similar story about that where there there's certain abilities that they can kind of tap into a little easier. Was it always there? Perhaps. Maybe the near-death experience helped it become uncovered. Maybe I'll also say something too. I asked my guides a few years ago, I was like, why, why did I have cancer? And the, the answer I got was pretty prolific. They said something like, um, having this genetic mutation experience um, assisted the process of um, the genetic modification that was necessary to experience the ascension process at a quicker state so that then I would be able to assist other human beings during this critical time. Hmm. If that makes any sense. It makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, that leads me to more questions. Oh, are, we, are we in the ascension yet since you have this ability to help people? Are we there yet or not? That's a great question. Uh, I guess it's two. the answer might be twofold. Is the ascension an outcome or is the ascension a process? I look at a lot of things as processes. And ascension is a process. I believe we're already basically in the fourth density. And I say density uh, versus dimension because... Um, there's different densities within a dimension. Um, but I say that uh, we're already in the fourth density uh, and that those of us who are experiencing the turmoil and the extreme dualities of the third density are simply holding on to outdated paradigms, in my opinion. And I don't mean that judgmentally, but um, we have such a capacity now, now that we are on the winning path. Um, I don't know kind of what you follow and stuff, but, um, you know, the light has won, you know, a lot of the, uh, the dark regressive, um, things that species and beings that were in control, oh, turn that light back on, um, that were in control of our, uh, our universe and our, our planet are no longer here. And those who still are just hanging on tooth and nail, uh, the light has won, you know, we, um, we have so many more light workers and star seeds, um, coming out, now and becoming activated because now's the time and it is very interesting because i fought doing social media for a long time uh, those of your uh, uh, audience who choose to find me on uh, social media you'll find i only have just a few friends because I, I deleted everything during the madness that was occurring the last few years um, it was just too taxing for me and i had to to discover my own on my own path so again, I apologize if I'm going tangentially somewhere else. So reel me back in if you need me to. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, but the process of ascension, um, I believe, is here. And um, it never was supposed to be painless. Uh, any real growth does require discomfort, um, levels of it. Um, but I, I, I've always somehow been okay with doing the necessary work in order to align myself with what I have always felt was my higher mission and, and path. Um, yeah. Do you think that the being that was next to you was an Arcturian? Oh man, your questions. Um, okay. So when I wrote my first book, um, 
I was struggling a lot when I wrote my first book because it was a collection of journal entries that I'd had since I was um, a teenager, early 20s as well, uh, throughout my 30s. And I came a little closer to Christianity um, because I was trying to make sense of things. And I think Christianity, just like every other you know, religion, has its wonderful, wonderful um, um, components and, and uh, parts to it. Um, and there's all, there's all truths to different religions, but, um, becoming closer to Christianity helped me see that the being could have been a savior of some sort, given where I was thinking at the time. So I was like, could it be Jesus? I don't know. Could it have been a past loved one? I don't know. Because when I feel into it, it did not feel like a deceased loved one. I mean, I'm I'm in communication with my deceased loved ones very often. Um, my grandpa, especially my grandma. <laughs> um, we have a very good time. Uh, anyways. Um, and, and it didn't quite feel like the Jesus kind of composite character there's an energy that that people can call upon in the name of jesus that we can discuss within a whole podcast if you'd like mm -hmm. i think that's a very fascinating concept i also do talk about the 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 um, andromedan history of uh, religion in the book as well in the chronicles of an Arcturian envoy book but to answer your question yes i do and i say that confidently because it just makes solid sense. And the be what I've learned about the Arcturians through just my communications and what little research I've done, um, they are predominantly at a ninth density, which is very high density. And there's not really a hint of ego involved. And it's so beautiful because they're always in service and it's so humble to be in their presence. And the person I was with, it felt like family that I'd never had before, especially, and it's sad to say, but especially like on this planet, um, star seeds in general never really feel at home on earth. And they always feel like they are in search of a higher purpose and once they find it they go they go for it quite adamantly because it it somehow aligns them to to stay here in this density to, to accomplish something that's larger but yeah i've never really felt at home here which is it's sad to a lot of people but to me it's just normal um and that's caused a lot of rifts but also a lot of great, wonderful things, meeting all types of new people, mm -hmm. um, being able to feel comfortable in my skin enough to to be with people who feel like outcasts or misfits and stuff and to find common ground and, and to help them heal too. Because uh, my healing journey's taken several decades. Um, but it just all culminated in the past year after I had the, um, the past life regression, which was really cool in my doctoral program. Mm. But to answer your question, yes, I think it was. Can you tell us about the moment that you discovered you were a starseed? Yeah. So I was in a doctoral program uh, in transpersonal psychology, and we were on a retreat at the IONS Institute in, is it Petaluma, California? It was Calif 
California somewhere. But um, transpersonal psychology is amazing. It's one of the only psychologies that allowed the discussion of strange things as being potential reality. Mm. Um, I knew at a very young age that I was going to be a doctor, but I thought it was supposed to be a medical doctor because back in the maybe 80s, I was watching, you know, Doogie Howser. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be that guy. But no, it didn't happen that way. Um, but I became a, a, a sort of a PhD later, which of course made total sense because I love researching. I love writing. I love intellectual discussion, you know. So we had this lovely um, instructor and uh, she was a, kind of an expert in, expert in transcendent experiences. And she had us do a past life regression. Okay. So we all sat down. It was a very comfortable situation. There was pillows, wonderful people, lots of love. It was great. In the woods, beautiful. Um, she goes through the regression. And because I, I trusted this person, I really allowed myself to go into it and with no judgment, which is very important when you do these types of things. Um, the process of discernment is important, but allowing yourself to open up to an experience in a safe environment is important. Um, so I did that and I went whoosh, right into the experience. She basically said, okay, so we're going to um, pick up on our, our, our last lifetime. Um, you know, what do you see, what do you hear? All of it was sort of being asked and we were not speaking we were just taking it in and, and answering the questions for ourselves and afterwards we drew um what our experiences were i wish i would have brought that i have it in a box somewhere i'll show it to you next time um but it was basically i i drew um a treatment which is like six blocks of certain uh scenes that that popped out at me when i um had this experience so the experience was, the first scene was I looked down at my feet and my feet were blue and they were um, large uh, feet. And I, I scrolled up and my skin was blue and I looked up and there were things whizzing around and I was obviously in a different planet, although I didn't understand it at the time. And um, my skin was blue, my hands were blue. Um, the cut to the next scene, uh, I had, I was with a woman, um, and I knew she was like my wife, but there was no wife things. It was just, there was this woman I was sharing my life with. Very interesting. So the, the concepts of marriage and stuff are very human. Um, you know, like bring on my finger and, you know, I own half of you. None of that. It was very beautiful and free. Um, and oddly enough, I am gay in this lifetime. So it was weird for me to kind of have this relationship with this woman. Um, but I, I allowed myself to go and go into it. It was beautiful. And I, um, I only, this is, this is how I know that it wasn't just a little fluke. I only felt four emotions the whole time and they were simplistic and they were logical and they were not too deep. They were just love joy, compassion, and understanding. That was it. That's all I felt. There was no fear. There was no like dread. There was no, you know, oh, I missed this. I'm yearning this. No, it was excitement. It was joyful. It was very high vibratory. 
And my analytical mind was at bay, but there was parts of me that were like questioning, is this real? Like, and then I tried to maybe tap into, could this be this? And my guides were basically saying, no, this is it. And so I let that go and I kept going with the trajectory. And then the next scene was, I was surrounded by um, my children. I think there were maybe four or five and they were all cute little blue beings that were their own amazing spirits. It was basically like they were all evolved beings that were finally, I shouldn't say finally, because that's, that's, that's speaking from my human sense, but they were able to enjoy their life without any preconceived anything. It was just, they were powerful beings at a very young age. Now I was then the next scene was I was on a slab, a stone slab. It looked like a stone slab. There was writing on it and um, but it wasn't human writing. It was these shapes and stuff that I didn't quite need to understand. I just, I just had the picture. This is my first past life regression. I had a past life experience before that maybe we can talk about, but this was a full fledged um, um, uh, practice, you know. Uh, and I was on the slab and I was essentially dying. Now I say this in quotes because the consciousness from that perspective is different than the human consciousness. Understanding it from a human perspective, I was dying, but <laughs> me as the, as the being knew that where I was going was very important and that I was going to go up to the stars <clears throat> because I was staring at the stars and they were very different. There was, there was different things going on. And my kids were, were joyfully sort of playing around me. And my, the woman I was with at the time was right there. But my, my focus was on this envoy experience that I figured out later. Crazy to say. I knew where I was going was very important that I would be among the stars is what I kind of knew. I knew I had a job to do and then I knew I'd be back. And I knew somehow that um, I wouldn't be at a loss. My I, children wouldn't be at a loss. Again, this is the human way of understanding it because there was only those four emotions and the thoughts were very simplistic yet quite high in um, in vibration. Have you heard of star seeds before this happened? Hmm. Um, well, I heard of light workers before, like that was kind of a nineties term that kind of went into the millennia star seeds, not completely. I didn't make sense of my experience at the time. Hold on a minute. This was maybe 2017 or 18, 18, 2018. So I had maybe tertiarily heard a little bit about star seeds, but I didn't understand what that was. So then after that experience, did you just think, okay, I, I must have lived on a different planet. When did you put it together that not only did I live on another planet, but I'm a star seed and I'm here to help this planet? It's almost embarrassing to say that I didn't understand it. Why? 
who would understand that, especially since you were in a world of academia. Yeah. Um, you know, my whole life I've felt so odd and strange. Um, and it all kind of makes sense, but I think a part of me didn't want to believe that that was real. However, the experience was absolutely real. And when I told the teacher afterwards, I told her, I was like, I just had the craziest experience. What do you think? When you broach the subject of ETs and aliens and stuff to anyone that doesn't know, you know, that it's absolutely real. Um, it's hard to, 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 to get the, the right um, feedback or advice. So what she basically said was, you know, see, see what, see what you get from it, um, write it all down and maybe, um, you know, meditate on it and do some research on it, which of course that's what you do as a doctoral student. All you do is research and, well, um, but then I started researching a little bit. There was another student in my program that kind of called herself a starseed. And so we had a bit of a connection because, um, we had enough time to talk and, and, and debrief about our experiences. And usually the starseed experience is interesting because it's fraught with a lot of like extremes often where um, you tend to trailblaze a lot and you tend to always see things really different than most people. And you, and, and also too, depending on the, the race that you're from, um, you can be perceived uh, very incorrectly according to your intentions. If that makes sense. I will say the Arcturians, um, I first didn't want to believe that I was an Arcturian starseed. I wanted to be like I wanted to be. I was like, no, no, maybe I'm an Andromedan starseed. And I say this because I asked my guides many years ago when I was living in New York City, why do I feel so weird? I just don't feel right in my skin. Who am I? And they would say arc. And I'm like, what does arc mean? I don't understand what you're talking about. Arc. They would just say arc. I was like, oh my God. So I was thinking Arc de Triomphe, maybe I'm, I'm French, I don't know. Um, and then I heard the word Andromeda. And I think that they said that because it was, it was looking a little bit at Alex Collier's stuff that I then started realizing, oh, do you know Alex Collier? I'm familiar oh. with the name. He's an author. Oh, he's wonderful. Yes. Um, I'd love to meet him someday. Um, but he was really prolific um, as a starseed envoy um, for the Andromedans um, back when it was not very popular. So he was a big trailblazer um, back many decades ago. I had no idea about this guy until very recently. And when I started researching his stuff, I was like, this makes total sense to me. Um and so I was kind of hoping maybe it's Andromedan. It, I don't think it's Arcturians because what I researched about the Arcturians is they are very intellectual. They can be um, they can be perceived as a little um, what is the term? Because I wanna I wanna get the adjectives right, but um, a little cold, a little intellectually cold sometimes. But that's not what I I got from the Arcturians. I got all love. 
So then I started researching heavily more into the Arcturians. And Elena Danan um, is an excellent uh, envoy. Um, reading her book uh, was just beautiful. And I read the chapter, uh, the little section on Arcturians, and I was like, that is it. That's it. Arc. Arc. Um, Arcturians can tend to be um, confused with Andromedans a little bit because they're both blue. And as humans, we don't, we not not all of us still, you know, believe in, in, in extraterrestrials. No matter how much of evidence is out there, it's like you just, you know, you walk down the street and you trip over, you know, stuff. Um, but I had had interesting experiences before that. Um, where I was in the presence of, actually, you asked me earlier um, if I'd ever had kind of physical contact with aliens. Um, there was one time where I do believe I was in the presence of, I think it was um, a Talosian or a Tal. I think it was a Tal um, because they were basically studying me. And I know it's weird to say, um, but I was in New York City at the time. Do you mind if I go into this story? No, not at all. Um, I was in New York City at the time, and when I was living in New York City, I was very poor. I was a performer, and um, I uh, was walking out, um, probably going from one gig to the next or whatever, and I was very spiritual, and I was a yoga instructor. I, I did many things in New York City, and I came across um, this sort of vortex in the street, and people were just milling about doing their thing. And it was kind of at the corner of what I think is maybe a church because there was iron, um, there was iron fence and stuff. And I, I walked past it like normal and there was nobody there. And then all of a sudden I sensed something on the back of my neck, like a, like something was, was not touching me, but it was like, I need to turn around. So I turned around and all of a sudden I saw this very beautiful woman with like kind of um, dark hair, um, kind of olive-ish, maybe just tan skin, um, very kind of like um, um, kind of piercing, quest questioning eyes. And she was dressed in, um, what do I call this? She was like riding her bike and she had this bike gear on. It was very interesting. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't see this person. And I don't know what happened, but like something just told me to go over there because she had her bike was um, off to the side and it looked like she had been in an accident. But if if I really think about it, it looked like what she was doing was kind of like baiting me to come talk to her. I don't know how to say that more clearly, but I went over there and I was really surprised that nobody had stopped to see this person. And when I entered her presence, it was like there was a bubble around me that the only thing that mattered was me and her. And so I was like, are you okay? Um, and she, it was, and, and as a performer, as a trained performer, I can kind of tell when people are quote unquote acting and, um, she was kind of fishing. It was weird. And she was like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I just had an accident or whatever she said. And I was like, oh, well, is, can I call the police? She goes, no, 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 don't call, don't call the police. And I go, well, is there anything I can, I can do for you? Um, and I could hear her thoughts and it was like she was puzzled as to why I was helping her. 
And at that point, I stopped. And I don't know what propelled me to do this, but I got on her level. I um I bent bent my knees and sat in kind of like um a seated yoga position, just sort of being with her because I was at her level. She was on the ground, and she was very curious about me, like what is this guy doing? Um, but the thoughts weren't so much human. They were, they felt a little higher. Strategic is what it kind of felt like. And so I just had this interesting conversation with her and I kept trying to pull it to, I need to help. Do you, I need to do something for you because you don't seem well. And she really just wanted to be in my presence. And so as a New Yorker, you learn how to survive and how to protect yourself. So there came a point when I finally was like, well, there's nothing else I can do. We've had this lovely conversation, but you don't want my help. So maybe I'll just leave. And she kept trying to pull me to talk more. Um, but after a while, I just said, if there's anything you need, please, please holler, let me know. And when I was leaving her presence, it felt like I was leaving out of a bit of a bubble. I had realized that I had been kneeling on the pavement in front of a church on like a Tuesday, I even forget when it was, and nobody had stopped, nobody had said anything, nobody's, um, I heard nothing but her voice. It was very strange. Um, but then once I left, I just took a few steps and I had just passed the iron gate and I turned around and nobody was there. There was no bicycle, there was no woman, there was no nothing. Now, I'm talking, it was, split seconds one two three steps turn around nobody was there um you know and me being the yogi spiritual person that i was back then in my 20s i was just like you know maybe it was an angel maybe it was this and that but now that i know more about star seeds it probably was an experience with a with an extraterrestrial who was probably there um to kind of learn more about me and and if you don't mind me saying what I got from that, because I've had multiple tests afterwards, usually occurring in my dream um, from different different species, usually Arcturian in nature, or at least the Arcturians prompted this these interactions. Oh, so much to talk about. Um, but what my overall feeling was, she was very intrigued as to why I would care so much about someone else like that. That's that's essentially the lesson that I got from that, hmm. and apparently I, I was a good representative of humanity, I guess, or something. I don't know. I'm gonna go back to this. So you had your past like, life regression with the instructor. You had this experience where you saw that you were blue and an Arcturian. Then you went and did research and probably discovered more that okay, I must be Arcturian. Then how did you put it together that? Maybe I was an Arcturian in my last life, and now I'm here helping out humanity. So good. Okay. And a lot of this, if you don't mind me saying, this is actually my first interview that I've ever done um, talking about this type of stuff. And it's actually still kind of vulnerable for me because I am talking about things that are very personal. And it's scary because I've never done this before. You're doing fantastic. And... <laughs> I guess I, I I should be more aware of that because I have these conversations every day. So 
I, that's a good lesson for me to learn. I'm hearing you saying that. Well, you're, you're doing great. Thank you. Um, but one thing I will say is, this is really weird. Um, so, okay. There's been often times when I have felt my consciousness split. Where I feel, where I have very vivid recall, or at least conscious awareness of being in stasis, moving in liquid. Um, and God, it's so weird. And then my consciousness comes back into where I am now. And And I, I then asked myself, what was that? Was that me trying to make sense of things? Was that something seeping into my consciousness? Um, this, this daydreaming quality, this going in and out of densities, um, recalling my experiences and my life as an Arcturian. It's... Um, it's not easy, especially when you when when the majority of your experiences have been so vastly different from so many people around you, those in your family, you know, biological family. Um, but when did I when did it all make sense? As a star seed, you you understand truth as the highest goal of any situation. And that led me in my 20s to be like a social activist and everything else. Um, I went to the extremes. Um, but as you know, in my 30s, I was married um, uh, to a very stable man. And so that kind of grounded me a lot. Um, but it also forced me to really think about who I really am at my core. And so being in that type of relationship even though there was there was you know, ups and downs and there was there was certainly challenges on both ends, um, and being alive nowadays in the Great Awakening, um, there was no question as to who I am because I started getting involved in the cosmic disclosure community, um, you know, on Gaia TV, uh, David Wilcock and Corey Good. They were they were they kind of started. Um, uh, started that 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 kind of awakening process uh, for me, I'll say, and I gravitated towards them. I I was there the first show they did, um, and I watched all of that, and a lot of what they talked about uh, made absolute sense to me. Um, then um, after that, you know, I read my books, I did my research. Um, when I found Dr. Michael Sala, um, Elena Dinan, Megan Rose. Uh, Alex Collier, uh, uh, Vivian uh, Chevette, um, these types of people, their experiences I could completely relate to on my own end because they weren't talking about what you see on the television every day. They weren't talking about the stuff that we're droned to to accept as truth in schools. Um, they were talking about the things that I had always known and it always felt and 
it's almost like the community is broadening now um, where so many of us are waking up um, and there's really no no stopping it it appears that it's difficult for you to talk about this you use the word embarrassing what do you think was more difficult in your life coming out to your friends and family that you're a gay man or as a star seed yeah that's a really good question um i don't really think i came out to my my biological family that i was a star seed um, because they would never understand that it was hard enough for them to understand um being gay <clears throat> but um I, i've had a chosen family who uh and my in-laws um my um my parents-in-law are very christian and i love them very much and they've actually been much more accepting um of me in my totality um than you know than others um and so when i came out to my very christian um uh mother-in-law that I might be a starseed. Um, she was there with me sort of during the process. And she was like, well, Dan, I don't know if I believe all that, but um, the more you tell me, the more I'm interested. <laughs> and um, she's been really great, really great. Um, being able to like be in the presence of someone who can have her own beliefs and still um, see the good in in me coming more into my own and also seeing too the interesting synchronicities that occur in my life and that occurred in my life ever since I um, discovered, um, you know, the, my starseed um, experiences and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. Um, what's been harder, probably the starseed thing. Being gay was very hard, but I've already, uh, I've already dealt with all that. <laughs> right. I would say since you haven't told your biological family it's a, that you're a starseed, it must be harder. Yeah, maybe this is a coming out experience for yeah. me <laughs> yet again. <laughs> Have you discovered what your mission is here? Mm, yes. And this is something that I've, that I've always known for a long time. And it has culminated in many publications um, I created a textbook that was basically channeled from um, what we call the Ahuran, the Ahurai way or the Arcturian way, which is basically the Arcturian philosophy. That I didn't know. Remember, a lot of my experiences, I didn't know what I was experiencing. I just had to capture it. And so I captured it in my books. But my first um, publication I was working on was the textbook. And it was basically... Um, it, it culminated into a five-month life coaching program that was channeled. What I did was I put a snow globe microphone on my desk. I lit a candle. I connected to my guides. And I said, tell me what to write. I got on the computer and I just, it just, it turned into a week after week after week of information. Um, my moon is in Virgo, so I like organization. Um, so it just continued to, to, to work out there. And in a matter of maybe two months or so, I had an entire textbook that I didn't know what to do with. I created a life coaching company in 2015. I used that textbook. I had um, uh, many clients. Um, it's been fantastic ever since. And then, um, then I knew I had to get my PhD in transpersonal psychology so that I could 
um, help people understand more of this and research and get truth and get closer to the truth for, for a lot of people. Mission-oriented wise, my mission has always been to assist the process of ascension for humanity. And of course, that's a very big task, but many starseeds feel that way, where it's not about us, it's about the work. And I got my master's in um, public administration um, in New York City, and it was the concentration was in nonprofit management, and I'm very mission-driven. This is how I kind of am. And that's what a lot of nonprofits are as well. So for me, it's never been about the accolades. It's never been about the money. <clears throat> never even been about um, the need for, you know, to essentially, um, you know, have the apologies or have the, have the you did greats. It's about how's the work being, being um, received and is the work being accomplished. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's that's basically my mission. Um, and if you hear Charlie um, exasperating over there, he's he's an old pup, fourteen years old, and he's just like, oh, I want to go back outside. It's raining, Charlie. You can't do that. It's interesting that you mentioned your consciousness being in a liquid state. I've had a couple of near death experiencer guests during their near death. They went to a water planet. Oh, cool. And and recently I just had a guest that is a hypnotherapist and she hypnotized a client and they went to the water planet. So that brought my curiosity to think maybe you were have been to the water planet. Do you know anything about that? Yes. Um, oh, yes. Um, so there is not just a water planet. There's many water planets. Um, there's many aquatic species. Um, in fact, our beautiful um, whales and dolphins um, are were brought over here um, from other from another planet. Um, so they're they're remarkable beings, very highly intelligent. Um, I remember when I did the past life regression, I got the blue being thing, but then there was also two other scenes that popped up. One of them was underwater. Uh, as an aquatic being, but I knew that that was not my last lifetime, but that was a lifetime sort of back in the day, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that. Do you astral travel at all? Yeah, very much so. Um, you have to be very careful with astral travel. There's a lot of uh, artificial intelligence still going on these days, um, but it's, 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 um, it's, uh, siphoning out um because we we won the war thank goodness um but um when you ask to travel you have to be very careful you have to be very safe you have to do it correctly you have to protect yourself so always surround yourself in a bubble of white light um, call upon your guides to assist the process and hopefully you can do that all in a very safe safe uh, safe experience but yeah whenever i do that um i tend to gravitate towards um uh, more of the light planets, the, the higher vibratory, um, places. Um, and also too, like there is, there's a spiritual realm that's attached to the earth matrix. Um, every planet has its own matrix. So, you know, the, the realms of angels and, um, and spirit guides, that's definitely a part of our experience. Um, but I think that I've had more of a, an understanding of, what I consider to be a higher truth for myself um, when I started getting more into my uh, starseed nature. When you do astral travel, how do you do it? Is it from meditation? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually. I meditate a lot. Um, 
But also, too, in the dream state, have you ever had, ever had lucid dreams? I'm not really sure. I mean, I've had I, a lot of times I'm dreaming and then a lot of times they're usually like stressful dreams. And I realize this is a dumb dream. Why am I dreaming this? And maybe I'll think about something else. Good for you. Yeah, that's that's like part of the lucid experience. And then you can kind of change things every once in a while. Um, but it almost kind of feels like you're 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 daydreaming, but you can feel different sensations much more clearly. Um, when, um, when you're astral traveling, you usually encounter things, beings, messages that you haven't heard before and, or, um, it's new information that you, that you've never consciously recalled per se. So, um, it's a little different than just sort of the imaginal sense where usually when we're utilizing the imaginal sense, we're recalling um, things from our past or things that we've already experienced kind of here in this, in this current lifetime. Astral travel really gets you to almost just be an observer of, of some total, di totally different environment. And um, have you ever had other guests talk about how they astral travel with with um, kind of guides or people there with them, or are they usually alone during the process? I think they're usually alone, but I think I know at least one of them, or I think of at least one of them that they'll meet people when they're doing it. Okay, cool. Here on this planet, I, well, just wherever they're out in the astral, they'll meet other beings. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. There is that. Might I say, if you don't mind me thing um there were two experiences recently that i guess you could say i was astral traveling um this was before uh we knew we won sort of the war um just before i was brought up on a ship i guess you could say it's kind of weird to talk about um this was two times. The first time was the the mantis beings. You ever heard people talk about the mantis beings? Yes. You know, I've heard I've heard that they're very peaceful. They're wonderful uh, for the most part species. Um, but whenever whatever whatever experiences I've had with mantis have not been very good hmm. because it, it feels like they're they're trying to get in my head, and um, and I kept having to preclude them from doing that because I didn't like the way it felt. Uh, and I could see their faces. I could see all the little things moving. <clears throat> and I was brought up brought up on a, a, a very metallic um, ship. And um, I was in a very kind of smallish, it seemed, small room because my, my purview was very narrow. I couldn't see around me. And the being was basically trying to get in my head and try to like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have the best, um, I didn't sense the best motivations. So, um, so I left that scene. I actually traveled back. Um, and then the last time I encountered what I believe was an Orion, um, gray or a reticulin, something like that. But the, <laughs> this is crazy. The being was, was kind of shorter and it looked at me and I knew to be emotionless because I knew that they could kind of read my mind or at least hijack certain things. So I was very emotionless and it came right up to me and it put its head on my chest and hugged me 
And I thought that was the weirdest thing. So I didn't give in because uh, I didn't know their intentions. And I had I had researched some of these beings before. And again, I didn't know which one it was. I just knew what I was seeing. And it hugged me. And I still stayed emotionless. But I, at that point, didn't know what to do. So then I came back from the astral travel. But those are my two experiences with... Um, those two races and i guess you could call it astral travel because if i could feel i could feel the physical sense and i could feel and hear like i normally do with the emotions and the and the the, the thoughts and stuff you're saying that the light has won do you uh, foresee any time in the near future full disclosure of aliens yes yes um i do but i will say there is going to be partial disclosure because that's what the agreements have called for. But this is going to be a very huge year. I mean, do you know anything about the Artemis Accords, the Jupiter Agreements? Mm-mm. Oh, goodness. Okay. A little slight plug. If you're interested in learning more about uh, the Starseed Experience and um, the Great Awakening and the Cosmic Disclosure, please check this book out. Uh, we do talk about it. Um, the main character is in contact with a, with a galactic being um, represented by the uh, Galactic Federation of Worlds. And um, there's a lot of good information that, that is um, that is told about where we are and where we're headed. But yes, absolutely. Again, this goes back to the fear thing. I'm not afraid. I've never, hardly ever been afraid. Um, once you die once or twice, you know, once you have an out-of-body experience, which, by the way, I talk about in my memoir, I got hit by a car, uh, a taxi, a speeding taxi when I was in, living in New York City. And the same being, I'm telling you this, the same being I felt next to me when I was five in the near-death experience was the being that picked me up when I had the out-of-body experience. I hit the car, flew in the air, smashed my head on the concrete and slid. That is not what I experienced, but that's what my body experienced. I felt the same being, the male, pick me up and place me down on the ground. And I told that to my doctors in the emergency room who were picking glass out of my head and concrete and stones out of my head. Um, that is that is that is what I experienced. Now, I do write about it in the memoir, and, and it does go through play by play what I was experiencing at the time. Um, Because it was kind of like strobe light, kind of gamma brain waves. Um, But I felt no pain. I felt nothing but bliss in the arms of of my protector. That's Um, fantastic. Yeah. So that's why a part of me was thinking like, who knows, is this Jesus? Is this whatever? But now that I know more about my starseed experience, um, I know that that was definitely my team. Guests come on and say that they have guardian angels. So why couldn't your guardian angel be a starseed? Absolutely. Especially if you don't feel like you are from this earth matrix. It makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. All right, Dr. Dan, I am over time with you. This hour just flew by. So um, before we go, you've showed us your books. Tell us again the titles and where we can get them. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, So these both are on Amazon. 
Um, this one here is my memoir. It's called Waiting for Life. Uh, converse, no, hold on. Waiting for Life, a cancer survivor story of near of, of death, humor, and love. This was kind of a um, kind of a, a coming out for me. Um, this was kind of more of my human experience. Um, it's very funny. It's also very poignant and very sad and very inspiring. Uh, this one here is Chronicles of Victorian Envoy. This is my newest book. Uh, it is basically uh, hard science fiction, I guess you could say. Um, but it kind of has to have that fictional aspect to it for, I believe, for this information to be palatable for mass audiences. And it's fun. You, you go on a journey with this wonderful character, who, by the way, is named... Uh, uh, Dr. Charles Forthright. Um, so it has a little bit of me, a little bit of my dog, Charlie, um, in it. Um, and he meets this wonderful being and he comes into his own, um, in many ways. And you see him living the great awakening. Might I say, I know we're out of time. I wrote the book 20 chapters in 20 days. Wow. The book was essentially channeled. Not exactly the same way as my textbook was, but I wrote this book in 20 days. My editor has been amazing, um, and it's worth it's worth it. It's a wonderful read. Do you have anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Thanks for asking. Uh, this is the first in a series of three. Um, the next book, the book two, I don't want to say too much, but um, there's going to be a lot more off-world experiences in book two. And book three, we'll see uh, where that takes us. I have a feeling um, we're going to know more about this galactic being in the third book and maybe what, what their experiences are. So we'll see. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat with you. Are you open to that? And if so, how should they reach you? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, again, I just opened up all these social medias, so it's a big deal for me. Um, I, I have... I think my own YouTube channel. So I think this might be the first video that'll be put on there. If that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, so it, I think it's um, Dr. Daniel Aceda or Daniel Aceda comma PhD, something like that. Um, so that'll be there. Um, my website, danceda.com. Uh, my life coaching business, multiviewing.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook now. Uh, I have a professional page under my name. Feel free to like that, message me anytime. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see where the future is headed. Two things, uh, I'm gonna be having a, um, uh, my, my human life, I teach uh, um, uh, piano and voice at a studio here in Raleigh. And I'm having an interesting masterclass on Saturday for a voice masterclass. So if you're interested in that, hook me up. The last thing is uh, there's a, uh, Mind Body Spirit Expo, the end of February in Raleigh. I will be doing psychic readings there and being a guest speaker talking about my book. So that's yeah. great. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Ooh, okay. Well, my, um, my friend actually bookmarked this from my memoir because it's her favorite line. And I guess... I would like to leave you with um, the people who will love you the most are those you consider your family, whether biological or not. And that's really all that matters. So meaning sometimes family is not always biological and or biologically tied to this planet, but 
as long as we are able to discover more of our authentic selves and come more in 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 tuned in lined with our 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 soul purpose and mission in life i think those who are your chosen family or your family tend to find you and um it just continues to grow the community and i think that's that's kind of what it's all about so i'm excited to meet lots of new people and share some wonderful uh love and light and knowledge with the rest of this beautiful planet. Well, I think that's a great message. And I'm happy that you're writing two more books because that gives me two more reasons to get you back on the podcast. So definitely reach out to me when you get your next book out, because there's a lot more that we didn't even get to and um, we can, we can catch back up. Um, So Dr. Dan, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing. Thanks, Jeff. You too. Thanks. All right. Have a wonderful day. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.